This is American Viewpoints with Mike Ferguson. Here's something to think about. Imagine starting over, and I'm talking about your career, every time you move. Yeah, now for some people, that's just a reality that you have to accept, and those people are spouses of our military personnel. I'm Mike Ferguson. Thank you for staying with us here on American Viewpoints. I'm joined now by John Riches. He is the Director of National Litigation for the Goldwater Institute in Arizona. John, thanks for the time this week. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mike. Now, what you're proposing here, and uh, you've actually got some model legislation, which you're you're hoping to get uh, adopted around the country. Uh, this has to do specifically with jobs that have uh, licenses that you have to do. What types of jobs are we talking about here? Yeah, so w- this is a really interesting phenomena. About 50 years ago, very few jobs required a license, about about 5% of them. And that was things that you might imagine, uh, doctors, healthcare, other healthcare professionals, lawyers, um, would require a government permission slip before you can work in, in your job. Today, however, that number is, is huge. About a quarter to a third of all jobs require an occupational license before you can work. So you got to go to the state and meet whatever criteria they, they, claim, uh, they claim you need. Um, now, some of those still include healthcare, law, some fields where you might expect them, but they also range to things that have no real apparent connection to the public's health and safety. Things like, for example, florists are licensed in Louisiana. Interior decorators are licensed in a couple states. Uh, chimney sweepers, jobs that have no connection whatsoever to the public health and safety, uh, but instead oftentimes were uh, put in place by the incumbent industry to keep out competitors. So all that is a long way of saying that many, many jobs require an occupational license now, and it affects many, many people. Let's talk about that effect. Uh, Your model legislation specifically deals with uh, spouses of military personnel, and why can't they just keep on working? I mean, do they just have to fill out a piece of paper, and when they get to their new state, why is it a problem that they have to go get a license? Yeah, we wish it was that simple. What we know, and this is actually a real tragedy when you step back and look at it, but when you have an unemployment rate throughout the country that's around 3 to 4% right now for the general population, military spouses, uh, by some estimates, are, are, have an unemployment rate as high as 24%. And that is despite the fact that military spouses oftentimes have higher uh, education levels, uh, very good uh, background and experience, but they still have these staggering, almost third world level unemployment rates right here in the United States. And the reason for that is because, of course, military families are highly mobile. They move on what are called permanent change of station orders every two to three years. And every time the service member moves, the spouse, of course, comes with him or her. And if they have a job that requires an occupational license, they got to go back through whatever that receiving state's requirements are for licensure. And oftentimes, they're very different or include uh, different factors than where the spouse was originally licensed. So they have to either jump through all these hoops or they can't get a license or they got to pay onerous fees. Uh, but in our view, that shouldn't be the case. If you've been safely and effectively practicing your job, whether it's a cosmetologist or a real estate agent, in one state, you should be able to practice it in the state that you move to, particularly particularly for our military families. What are the basics of what you're proposing that you hope every state looks at as far as the reforms that uh, you're offering? And we'll give out the website here in a little bit. Yeah, and it's, it's actually not too terribly complicated. What we did in Arizona is, uh, is we uh, passed a law that said if you have an occupational license in another state and you've held it for, a, for at least a year and there's no complaint, there's no investigations, no allegations of wrongdoing uh, during your profession, if you move to the state of Arizona, 
this state is going to recognize that out-of-state license. And you apply, and you uh, you will be admitted uh, to whatever particular board exists here. So um, Arizona is the first state in the country to have done that. Uh, Pennsylvania has passed a similar measure, and similar legislation is now under consideration in um, uh, nearly 20 states. Does that uh, go over well or not go over well with uh, people in the industries now? There is is there a factor of saying, wait a minute, I had to do all this work to get my, in your case, Arizona license. Why shouldn't somebody else have to do it? Aren't you just giving them a free ride? I think that people that are already licensed generally welcome these sorts of reforms because, look, I mean, they're not immune from mobility either. There's, you know, if if my uh, spouse were to get a job in Nevada tomorrow, I would want as much ability to practice my profession there as I do here. So um, to the extent that more and more states are getting in on this, and that's exactly what we're seeing, this is very good to people who already hold occupational licenses because it uh, permits them to to be more mobile than they are right now. We're visiting with John Riches. He's the director of national litigation with the Goldwater Institute in Arizona. I'm reading your op-ed that you posted late last month. And uh, one of the the phrases that was used kind of caught my eye. Uh, Your new report, uh, Dereliction of Duty, Military Spouses Struggle to Earn a Living Despite Feel-Good Licensing Laws. Tell me about uh, the term feel-good licensing. Yeah, and so this this was actually our investigative journalist, Mark Flatten's report uh, that he prepared. What he had found is that most states have some, um, some what he called feel-good laws that um, gave temporary recognition or had language that said something like the state may recognize the license of a military spouse. But what he found when he dove deep into into these issues and did a number of interviews and looked at the different laws is that while some of these might have sounded good uh, on the surface, when you really dig down deep, they weren't actually helping military families because they put up um, arbitrary criteria. They put too much discretion in the boards. They were temporary. So um, that's why he said, look, the way to solve this problem, or at least that's what the Goldwater Institute says, the way to solve this problem is to do what Arizona does. Just make it really clear that if you have a license in another state and, it's, and you're in good standing and you come to this state, we'll recognize it. No other further hoops required. You're, it's called the Breaking Down Barriers to Work Act is what you're uh, proposing. Uh, so ex- explain to me why you're – I mean, obviously, there's a great understanding of what military people go through to anybody who's had a military uh, member in their family or they know somebody. So why limit it to military at this point? Is this just a, a kind of a first step to say, look, it's not going to end the world? Or is there something different about these folks that maybe uh, requires that special attention versus the whole general public? So a few things. Yeah, military families are, are highly mobile, of course. They're probably more mobile than any one particular demographic in, in the country. So these occupational licensing restrictions, they don't recognize other states' licenses, tend to impact them as a group um, uh, to a greater extent. Um, now, that said, this uh, this does affect everybody. I mean, more and more, you know, our economy is with workers that can take their laptop and a cell phone and can work anywhere. And people are very highly mobile, not obviously just our military families. So what we did in Arizona is actually seven years ago, our law just limited it the recognition to military spouses or to military family members. And we saw exactly what you alluded to. The sky did not fall. There was no incidents or threats to the public health and safety by doing this. So that allowed 
uh, Arizona lawmakers to go back into our code last year and expand it to anybody who establishes resident residence in this state, whether they're part of the military or a military family member or not. So um, that was the the real the big reform that uh, that passed last year. Any concerns with uh, different states having different standards? I mean, are there some states that may have lax standards in an area that has to do with maybe some consumer protection? Um, that's obviously a subjective discussion. But what about the argument saying, well, wait a minute, that's, that state just doesn't require that much. And if they can get a license there, they may not be good enough here. Well, you know, here's my view on that. Um, There's very few uh, licensed professions that exist among every state. And uh, so there's about there's about 30, basically 25 to 30 professions that exist in every state that that's licensed. But there's a whole lot more of that than exist in one, two, three, four, five, 15, 20 states. So there's a whole lot of stuff that is just licensed that ought not to be uh, just based on that statistic. but I think it's more directly to your question. Um, if you've been practicing your profession with an occupational license or not safely, and there's been no complaints against you, and you come here and practice it, you still got to apply for uh, recognition with the board here, but you should be allowed to prove that you can do it here as well. And if there's some problem down the line, then, you know, the whatever the licensing authority is still has authority to to look into that and if people want to read the breaking down barriers to work act or whatever else you're working on at the goldwater institute what's the best way to be in touch uh, they can go to goldwaterinstitute.org and we got the got the bill and the reports um, all right there john really appreciate the time today mike thanks for the interest and thanks for having me on And thank you for being a part of American Viewpoints this weekend. Be sure to check us out on social media. I'd love to connect with you there. Just look up American Viewpoints on Facebook or on Twitter. It's at AVP Radio Show. I'm Mike Ferguson. We'll talk to you again next week. I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. Uh, It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger near you. Learn how at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. At age 30, Carissa finished her high school diploma. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, you can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.